Deb, and Lou and Tez, uh, who will be staying there, and all you girls, really, uh, you know, you can stay in that loop of what's going on, where, when, why, how, and who uh, with that. Uh, so, you know, and it's a reminder, Alicia is in here, not because she doesn't like us again, but uh, she's with her mother, and uh, she'll be there throughout the rest of probably this week, uh, as her mom has doctor's appointments and uh, making sure, once again, we know who, what, where, when, and also can just kind of remind uh, Jolita uh, what's, you know, what the doctor really did say, not what, what we think he or she may have said, but what did he or she uh, say. So, you know, uh, just prayers for Alicia, she will travel uh, this week, for my kids who are stuck with me, right? Yeah. Hey, you guys can get fed at breakfast and lunch at school, right? So I don't need to worry about anything. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he first went, yeah, and then he was real quick. He went, no, no. You know, he got, he, he, he got sucked in a little bit. And, and this morning as we gather for our time in the Word, it's, you know, uh, a reminder sermon. In fact, um, typically, uh, I don't ever do this and didn't even realize I was doing this until this morning as I was finishing things up. I really preached on this passage about six months ago. Anybody remember? No? No one remembers, uh, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11 from uh, 15, uh, or from six months or so ago? No one? Do what? You got a mark there. Is that my sermon or somebody else's? Oh, see, Charlie, you just want to get up here and we'll switch places. I'll sit next to Barbara and, and uh, you know, we'll go with that. Uh, the reality is, is uh, there, we had a clergy gathering this week and uh, one of the pastors there, uh, he's a tremendous blessing to me. I probably should tell you more of that. Uh, he talks about how when he came to his church, uh, all of Chuck Samson, when did he go? About 10 years ago or so? Chuck Samson, when did he get to King Street? Do you remember? What did he say? 12 years ago. He, he, he came as an interim and he said this. He said, I have five sermons. And he tells us every time, he says, I just keep repeating them. You know? And, and this is a sermon, to be honest with you, that we need reminded of more not because of what I'm going to say. Uh, what I'm going to say is nothing marvelous, nothing um, wonderful. It is truly just that as a reminder. And, and Paul, as he's writing to this early church, you know, I hope you realize that uh, the churches uh, of the uh, first century are not unsimilar to us. In the fact, they had problems. Every church that has ever existed had problems. I, I love when Juan talks about how <clears throat> when he was helping to train uh, people in seminary, they, they, they wanted to know, they wanted to have a first century church type of church. And, but those people were kind of messed up, the first century church, weren't they, Ron? You know, um, they, they didn't have it all uh, together, which is going to be an encouragement because guess what, Jonathan? We don't have it together, do we? Maybe you do. No. Okay, I was going to say, they were going to say no real quick. I, 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 maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you have it all together. I know I don't have it together. 
you know. Uh, uh, so, you know, but they were all messed up in their own way. And, and so if you're looking, whether you're online looking for a church or maybe you're, you're thinking about different churches and you want to find a perfect church, guess what? They don't exist. It ain't going to happen. And if you think this church is going to be perfect, guess what? I'm the pastor here. It ain't going to happen. All right? It is the uh, seventh day of the year, and I have already made quite a few mistakes on behalf of the church this year. Okay? I have already messed it up. You know? So, um, you know, there isn't any. And the letters we have, every New Testament letter is, is to the church, to people like you and me who have believed in Jesus Christ, but now we're trying to figure out what does that mean. These letters that we read aren't for people outside of the church. They're people like you and me. And we need to be reminded of that. In fact, I believe we need reminders often. Because we forget really quickly. And, and sometimes our memory, dare uh, I say, isn't what it used to be. Or our memory really isn't always that accurate. You know, we, we talk about the you know, uh, memories, or at least in some circles, we talk about memories having like sunglasses that kind of filter things out or they can amplify other things. You know, we can remember, we can think of something being much better than it was really at the time that it was there. Or we can think of it worse than it really was. And we need to be reminded of what's important. Uh, I remember this joke just now of uh, these uh, two uh, newlyweds that had no longer been too much newlywed. Years had gone on, and at one point in time, uh, the wife turns to the husband and says, do you love me? And he said, yeah. She goes, no, really. Do you love me? And he says, yeah, I, I said I do when we got married so many years ago. If I changed my mind, I'd let you know. The problem with that is that the reminder of loving our spouses and letting our spouses know or letting our kids know that we love them isn't constant. They will forget. And how powerful it is to have a reminder. So please indulge me in a kind of a sermon again. And Charlie's the only one who probably remembers that he has a great one. You know, maybe there's different points here, but I, I don't think it's the same one because I didn't even look at the old one. Okay, Charlie? You know? But but we need to be reminded of, of things. And so especially this year, you're going to probably read more about this in my annual report once that's finalized, if you can make it through uh, those pages. But I'm asking the question, at least in my head, what does evangelical it's a word that is thrown around a lot. What do we know what it means? Evangelical. For some, 
It is a political statement to say I'm an evangelical. And we can lament that maybe the media has done this, but let me just also say sometimes the media portrays us as things we have actually shown a little bit of. What does evangelical mean? Is it, is it a religious statement? Is it a, a, a cultural statement? And all, and sometimes the answer is all of the above. But see, the, the church of today didn't, we're not the only ones who had to struggle with that. I believe that the church of Corinth in the first century, this, this letter that we have before us written in the mid-50s AD, they were trying to figure out what it also meant to be people of the gospel or the evangel evangelical people. As we open up this reminding letter in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, we read these words in, in starting chapter, or verse 1 of chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you. Really, if, if I could give you uh, my uh, version of that, what Paul is saying here is, I want to remind you of the evangelical message that I evangelically proclaim to you. He uses the word evangelical three times right at the outset to try to get them to understand what I'm talking about here. We have other words that should be synonymous with evangelicalism. And I will tell you the primary word should be the gospel. Over and above everything else. And Paul says, the gospel that I preach to you. In verse 3 and 4, he says, For I received, for what I received, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and to the twelve. The gospel. The true evangelicalism that we need today as they needed then, the gospel, we need Jesus. Do we not? Now remember, who's this letter to? It ain't the world out there. It's for you and I. We need the gospel again and again and again. We need to be reminded of the gospel. He says, I want to remind you. See, part of what's going on in this letter, and I won't get too much in the weeds this morning, but part of what's going on is there's people in this church who think they already have it all together. They think they know. They think they have wisdom. And Paul doesn't make sense to them. The gospel doesn't make sense. And he wants, he, Paul is kind of using a wordplay here where he said, you think, you know, now I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to make known to you what you really need to know. And as we start this new year, it may just be me. And if it is just me, I, I believe the Holy Spirit can tell you something different this morning, but I need to be reminded of the gospel this morning. 
gospel is what you and I need as we go. That's what we are proclaiming when we do communion every single month. We proclaim the gospel. And there's many variations of the gospel that can be out there. He says, here's what you have heard. Here's the, here is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. That he died. See, because there are people in our world today, there were people back then who believed he really didn't die because he wasn't truly just, he wasn't human. He just kind of fainted on the cross. Because there were people at the time who believed, just as we do to some extent today, the physical and the spiritual are two different worlds and they don't come, they, you know, spiritual is all that matters. So he was a great, he was God, he was a very spiritual teacher. So don't worry about the physical. Okay? And what Paul, in the early church, in this very early doctrinal statement of the church, says, no, he was fully human. He said, well, that's not fair. Well, it is, because he died. Okay? He is fully human. He died. Why? For our sins. You and I sin. We, as the church, are broken. We, as the church, don't get it right. We, as the church, need the gospel again and again and again. Not that we crucify Christ ever again. He was crucified once and for all, Scripture teaches. But for our sins. There was a substitution that took place. In the early church, just like in our day, we could be, they, they had their own issues. I mean, even by this time, though this is an early letter, there were issues of what does it mean to be a, a Gentile like you and I and in the church? Does one have to eat? I mean, can you have bacon? And I mean, they're struggling over that. Do you have to look like the Jewish culture? Do you have to act a certain way? Do you have to, and maybe in our certain day, do you have to vote a certain way? You know, and, and what, what the early church did, early on they said, we're going to boil this down to this is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. But he didn't just die according to our sins. He was buried. There is proof that he went somewhere. And that he was raised to life on the third day. This idea that even at that point in time, they're going, he wasn't stolen. There was verifiable proof that you could go where he was laid and find it was not, he was not there. Then you have to ask the question, why is he not there? He rose to life. You know, the gospel means there's more to life than what you and I see day to day. People go on in this chapter, and I'm going to go there today, to talk about the fact that because of the gospel, there is a bodily, physical a resurrection to come, which gives us hope. Because if Jesus didn't rise as you and I, 
will one day. If he didn't have a body and physical resurrection, we have no hope. In fact, the Christian faith is not a faith at all. And over time, we've had a statement in our Christian culture that says of a person that they are so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. But as I read this week, I think it was Craig Blomberg, who does a lot of work in the Gospels, he said the problem today is too many of us Christians are so earthly-minded here of no heavenly good. And we must be reminded we live in a both and. And that he appeared to Cephas, the twelve, and then nowhere else in Scripture do we read what Paul puts in here in chapter in verse 6. He said that after that he appeared more than 500. And he says some of them, most of them are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Some have died. He says, look, go check it out. This, we don't just, and this is a good point, and then I will try to continue to move us forward. The point is, is we can't, we need not just Proclaim the gospel that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. We must also proclaim that I have had an experience with Jesus. But we also cannot just say, I have had an experience with Jesus without teaching the words of Scripture. It has to be a both end. It can't just be the Bible says this. It is, this is how I've seen God work. Both. And Paul talks about it. He goes on to say, I'm going to skip down for the sake of time. Verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. As some of the claimants say, Paul didn't deserve to be apostle. Paul didn't deserve to be doing what he's doing. And he said, I've seen Jesus myself. It's not like any of the others. It isn't the way it was supposed to be. But I've seen him and by the grace of God. I work hard. Yet it's not I, he says, but the grace of God that was in me. We sing a song around here titled, Yet Not I, but Christ within me. You know, this idea that the grace that is there, you and I need to be reminded of that. And so he goes on to say, Whether then it is I or they that preach, this is what we preach. This is the gospel. This is what you and I can preach. And so as I try to bring this forward today quickly, what I want us to remind ourselves is the same thing they were reminded of. The gospel that we have heard. Have you heard the gospel? See, they had heard it once before. I guess I should point this way. That's where my Bible is, not over there, but there's one there too. You know, over here. This is what they heard. He said, you have heard the gospel, you have received the gospel. There comes a time in our life where we have to, with them, be able to say, I heard and I received the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died for my sins and I confess that and I am, as we would like to say, saved. But the gospel isn't just something that changes us uh, as an event of the past. It is something of which we stand upon this day. This is really verse 2, and thanks to Gordon Fee, uh, or, yeah, I believe that's him, uh, you know, that uh, I read on this, or Doug Lou, one of the two, 
gone through some of those guys. But these are people I read, okay? Don't ever think these messages are my own work. Give me a break. Okay? Uh, it's my own work and I put it together. Okay? But there are people who've been studying this that I got to drive, okay, with that. And I'm giving you any of the resources I have. But it talks about uh, not only did they hear, but they have taken your stand upon. Are you standing on the gospel today? That may be different than have you heard and received. Is the gospel the foundation of your life? The whole letter, Paul is saying, because of the gospel that he's reminding them of here in 1 Corinthians 15, life is different. You act differently. You think differently. You talk differently. You give differently. You use power differently. Your relationships are different. We treat one another differently, not because of anything other than, or should not be because of anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we stand upon it today. Are you on the gospel today? How did you hear it before? I'm Baptist, and I'm, I'm a Baptist that believes once saved, always saved. Okay? But you know what? We can't let that excuse our actions as if just because I prayed a prayer when I, for me, it was 11 years old, that I can do whatever I want the rest of my time and still get in. I'm not sure that salvation is scripture that saves. But I believe those who are in Christ, he will never lose. Okay? Uh, and my question I have to ask every single day is, do I, am I standing on the gospel today? That's right. Now, he got He knows what day is. I love it. Okay? Today. And sometimes it's this hour. But it's not just a today thing. He goes on to say, in verse 2, if you hold firmly this gospel, you are saved, or you are being saved, is maybe one way of thinking of this. If you hold firmly to the word that was preached to you, otherwise you believe in vain. And he almost says, as he goes later on, if you believe in vain, there is no belief at all. This salvation, the gospel that will save us, because there is a future. And life with Jesus lasts forever, but it starts now. The gospel is, takes care of our history, gives us hope for the present, and reminds us and guarantees us a future. A future that is beautiful and bright. A future that isn't just sitting on a cloud away from our bodies. Oh, a future of fulfillment in Christ. In Christ alone, the gospel changes everything for good. We're getting ready to go into an interesting year, I guarantee. I mean, 2023 was interesting. But I think this one's going to be interesting. We're going to be challenged throughout this year as Christians. We're going to be challenged to try to, how do we answer not just mentally and verbally, what is evangelicalism? What does that word even mean? But more importantly, maybe, how do we live out what the word evangelical means? 
to a world that doesn't know, to a world that will not get it. Why? Because until we know the gospel, and until we live the gospel today, it is foolishness. Not just to the world, but to any who will not stand upon it. Another article I read that was trying to debate this evangelical word. And there are many that are. I told you some of the ones I have followed may not like them much anymore. Not because they're not Christian, but they're willing to challenge us as evangelicals. And there's one thing I know about human beings is we don't typically like to be challenged, and we don't typically like someone to point out our faults. I would submit that's all the letters of the New Testament have been. Challenging the church, pointing out the false, so the gospel can be proclaimed, was asked the question, what is wrong with evangelical Christians today? And one author wasn't willing to put his words down, but put someone else that he was a fellow pastor, of a church probably very similar to ours, but I don't know what personally, in a very conservative area of our country. And this pastor said part of the issue with evangelical Christians today is we don't love the gospel over everything else. We love the gospel, but something else is good. And I wonder if Paul wrote a letter to the church in America today if he wouldn't have noticed that. And I'm here to remind us, maybe not us, maybe you, you don't need to remind you, I do. The gospel of first importance. There are other things that are important, but of first importance, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I close with some questions. These aren't questions that are, you know, really new. I've said these before. I also borrowed these or stole them or took them from uh, really the church we visit when we're up north at our place there. Just so if you all think when I'm not here, I'm not in church, um, that's not true. We go to church because uh, I need to hear the word, okay? And not just preach the word. I need to hear the word. And, and I know last week you had a good message last week, and I hope to bring in uh, good people to preach uh, throughout this year, so we both hear. But what is Jesus saying to you? I spoke, and I hope Jesus spoke through me, but I also believe because of who Jesus is, he may have said something to you that doesn't even seem to resonate with what we say here. That's how he can work sometimes. What is Jesus saying to you? Notice. What is he reminding you of? Notice. Where is he coming at you? Where is he encouraging you? What is Jesus saying to you? Secondly, how can the church help? What support do you need in hearing and doing what Jesus is telling you to do? That, that one of the things uh, that I'm sure you know, you, you, this is a reminder. You know this is how I'm been. One of the things I think we need to make sure we're always aware of is that in the Western Christian world, we can become very individual.
individualistic. It's just me and Jesus, just Jesus and I. But the church, we, church, we were always meant to do this together. We were never meant to do it alone. There was never an idea in the early church of just Jesus and me. It's us together. So where do you need the church to help? Who do you need to pray over you? Where do you need the church to help? And then lastly, who else needs to be here? Who needs this for love? Who can you share this with? Not in a, let me beat you over the head, but, but as a, hopefully, as you've heard my heart, a loving reminder that this is what we need to be about. Not that we're not about this, but so that we can be reminded of what we celebrate. What is the essence of Christian faith? It isn't a church thought, but that's important. It isn't about pastors as good as they are or not, <clears throat> though that can be important. It isn't about the music we sing or don't sing, though we need to sing good music. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we may not. It isn't just about learning and growing in Scripture, though that is important. It's about being reminded of who Jesus is. It's a reminder of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. And it is a reminder of the grace of God. Which is available to you. Paul says, by the grace of God I have worked harder. The grace of Jesus has not been without effect on my life. Where has the grace of God had effect on your life? Where does it need to have effect on your life? Those of you watching this online, we're going to celebrate the communion, so have a crap with that. I joked with you, Miles, didn't I, today? We could switch out the uh, the bread in here for your goldfish uh, cheddar cheese crackers, huh? Yeah, some of you are like, uh, What was that, Josiah? You like goldfish? Yeah, you like, you like goldfish. And I'm not trying to disrespect the sacredness and the holiness of this, because it is that. But you know what? What's more important is not the, the elements that we have, but the person behind the elements. And so if you've confessed Jesus as Lord, if you've responded to the gospel, maybe even today you have responded to the gospel, this is the table for you. This is in First Baptist Church, St. Paris' table. We don't own this. You know, uh, we, we, we don't get to dictate other than what Scripture says. And Paul uses very similar words in 1 Corinthians 11 about this table. I pass on to you what I received. And I'll read from those in just a short moment. But this is the Lord's table. And you... Have responded, you have heard and received the gospel. And this is yours this this morning. This is for you. And if you have not, you can. And I encourage you to do so. If you have not, I do ask that you you would just kindly let it go by. And if the Lord is saying you, you, you need to do some work.
be reminded of that day when the Lord broke into your life. I know my day. November 1996. The Boy Scout camp of Woodland Altar down in the Incredible County, Ohio. I can tell you who was preaching. I can tell you what the, the reminder was. Okay? I got it. I gotta remember what Jesus did on that day, but I also need to be reminded that I gotta stand on Jesus today. So that my tomorrow is different. We pray with you as we go to this time of worship. Father, I thank you that we come to your table. This isn't our table, this is 